Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Bugs by the Yard, we are going to cover something that people are starting to recognize and call in about, at least for me, and those are our social wasps. We're going to do another episode covering wasps, but that one is going to be solitary wasps. So this one is just going to cover our social ones. And the first one I'm going to mention is the Mexican honey wasp, which super adorable, tiny. Most people don't see Mexican honey wasps at this time of year because they're up in the trees and, you know, all the leaves are covering everything. So we did do a complete episode on them. So we're not really going to cover them here other than touching on them saying, yes, they exist and (laughs) you might see them. But if you want more information on them, then you can search the other episode that we did pre, I think it was earlier this year, wasn't it? I think it was. I think it was like January or February January when all the the leaves were out of the trees. And people would actually see the nest. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if you want more information on Mexican honey wasps, which I would recommend you listen to the episode because they are really little cool little wasps, take a look at that. So the social wasps that we are going to focus on essentially are going to be two categories. (laughs) They're both going to make paper nests, but they make them at different ways or different structures, I guess I should say. And those are going to be our yellow jackets and our paper wasps. And the other thing with yellow jackets, because do you get the the hornet question all the time? Yeah, I think people... I think wasp and hornet gets interchanged. And also people see the brownish yellow colored paper wasp and call them yellow jackets too. So I think yellow jacket, wasp, hornet, it's all like in most people's mind, it's the same thing. Yeah. So hopefully after this episode, everybody will understand the differences between them and they will be able to hopefully educate others Mm -hmm. and use the correct terminology for whatever ones they're seeing. So let's, let's start off with paper wasps, because I think that those are probably more commonly seen by homeowners in the actual landscape. And those wasps obviously make a paper nest, you know, hence paper Mm -hmm. wasps, we get super creative with our names. And I think it's really cool. Have you ever seen them like chewing on wood stuff and like a fence or something? And they're kind of chewing off the wood stuff so they can go make their nest. I haven't ever seen them do that. Uh -uh. It's so cool. When, uh, when Griffin was uh, smaller, he had this like big wooden playscape thing. And, you know, as the years went by, it was kind of starting to decay and there was wood rot and acrobat ants and all sorts of stuff (laughs) in it. But the paper wasp would come because the wood was, it wasn't really a hard surface at that point. It was more kind of a spongier material. And so the paper wasps would come and they would start chewing that. And then they would go and take their wood and they mix it up with their saliva and all that stuff. And they make this paper nest out of it. So paper wasps are going to be, I'm going to say what, three quarters of an inch to an inch or so in length. 
The big red ones are, yeah. yeah. The, I don't know those species. Polistes is their genus, right? Yeah. And there's multiple species that we oh, yeah. have in Texas. Yes. But everybody, everybody knows the, um, they, the you know, they call them what red wasps because I think they're, this, it might be, no, it's not Vespans. I should know this because I collected them one summer. <laughs> And sent them off to some guy who extract or sent, sent them off to a guy who then sent them to a lab and they extracted the venom for shots. So I, oh, I had to know what cool. species I was collecting. And it was, it was an interesting summer. You had to send them a pound and a pound of wasps is a lot of wasps. It was like a gallon baggie full of wasps. So one thing that I would do is I would take, I would collect them. I got stung a lot. And then I would take their nest and put their nest in a container and because they would emerge from the nest too, the pupa would. So I would get more wasps from the nest than I actually did from the catching the live ones. And you had to, you had to uh, keep them alive and then put them in the freezer immediately. Cause you couldn't, once they were dead, the venom was inactive. So it was kind of complicated, but apparently we had, there was a shortage of venom and we had some species that the major shortage was. So that guy somehow found me. Cause I guess he had seen <laughs> like on bug say, guide. How did you get roped into that? <laughs> My guess is that they had found it on bug guide at that like, a, like there were a bunch of species on bugguide.net and realized they were in San Antonio. And I, I mean, that's my guess. I have no idea, but, um, but yeah, I did it one summer and then he asked me to do it a second summer. And I was like, God, I'm too old for this. It's been a year. And, uh, I tried it, but I just couldn't collect a lot that year. I think I had collected them all out, um, oh and never goodness. did it again. <laughs> wow. I can't even imagine one saying, sure. Yeah, I'll do this. Did you, hopefully you got paid for doing that. Yeah. You got paid by the things that, I mean, not enough. Once it was all said and done, I was like, this was, I felt like I was, you know, benefiting humanity more than anything. Right. Uh-huh. And then the irony is that now I take those shots. So, I mean, who knows, but, uh, Full circle. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I mean, I had the bee suit and I was like, I think I could do this. You know, I got contacts with master gardeners, but then it would be like, I would go to their houses. I'd put out an email. I only will come if you have at least five nests and I'd come and they'd have one little teeny tiny nest. And I'm like, for the love of Pete, you know, all that driving. <laughs> when I worked at the insectary at Ohio state, we used to rear German cockroaches for allergy stuff. Yeah. Make the allergy extract from them. And I remember, you know, we would have these giant 50 gallon garbage bins that we would be rearing the German cockroaches in. And then we would send off the milk jugs with the cockroaches. (laughs) So yeah, it's a thing people you have to, I mean, yeah, it helps somebody somehow. Yeah. So just think about like people that have to collect the, the black widow venom for trying to create the anti-venom for that. That would be horrible. Would you have to milk them? Wouldn't you like a snake? (laughs) Tiny fangs and something that would be terrible. Okay. So anyway, paper wasps, they are going to be about three quarters of an inch to an inch and they are a reddish brown color. So of course, Like I said, the red wasp, that is a solid reddish brown color, but we also have other species that will have markings on them, yellow markings. So if you're not looking close enough, then you don't really realize that that yellow is against a reddish brown color. And you Mm -hmm. may think that they are some other type of wasp, which 
I kind of always give people a pass on that because, you know, if you're being chased by wasps or whatever, you don't care what it looks like. Like, I don't know what size it was or if it was reddish brown versus black. It's like, I was just trying to get away. Yeah. So, you know, I understand, (laughs) but if you're looking at them on the nest or if you're looking at them foraging on flowers or something like that, the paper wasps are going to be that reddish brown, and then they may have yellow markings and different species are going to have different markings, different coloration. These do make a paper nest. It's made out of chewed wood fiber, like I mentioned before, and they mix that up with their saliva. And no, do they have, I'm assuming they have something else kind of sticky. Cause if you think, well, I don't yeah. know, because if you make a spitball, it's pretty sticky there. Yeah. It kind of stays in that little glob thing. Cause you know, my kid, <laughs> that was like his thing this year. And I got into my truck one day and I'm like, what is it? I thought it was like bird poop on the outside of the window. And so I turned the windshield wipers on. I was like, is that a spitball? And he just my gave me this evil grin. And I was just like, what were you doing? <laughs> so I guess if it was saliva and paper fiber or wood fiber, then it would stick together. So they mix that wood fiber with their saliva and then they carry that back to wherever they're making the nest and they essentially will form this nest out of it. And nests are going to typically be made in sheltered locations, but they can be in a wide variety of places. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen them in trees and in like shrubbery before. Uh, A lot of people, if you have a covered, which most people do a covered front door area. So Mm -hmm. if it's raining, you kind of have that space. So they really like going there, which that isn't the greatest thing because they're right there by the door. Yeah. We have a couple nests that we have been battling and battling and battling that are up like in the, so I always get confused between the term eaves and soffit. A soffit is closed, right? Mm -hmm. So it's in the soffit area, I guess. Um, and they've just found a hole that they go in. So they built the nest in there. And I guess because it's so protected, there are so many of them. One of them is, is right by our pool and I can walk back and forth, back and forth and not be bothered. But my husband, if he goes anywhere close, they get him. They, and one time they got him on the top of the head and, you know, like in the cartoons when they bonk them and like, they get the big whoop that like the Uh big bump, it was almost just like that. And he was like, I, do you think they got me? I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I think you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) But he's in a war with these guys and we've, and because it's closed up, we have sealed it up. We've thought we've sprayed in there and we just can't, they'll chew their way back out. I guess a queen overwinters, or they like that. That smells good to them. They come back to the same spot. And I mean, it's like a constant battle with those guys and that nest gets, it must be gigantic inside there. Well, and that would be logical because, you know, it's a nice protected space so they can actually stay cozy and somewhat warm over winter. Right. Yeah. So maybe they're not dying off in the winter time. Like they do like usually the come into fall, they all start to die off. They produce males, they mate with the males. And then there's an overwintered queen that makes it through the winter. She's mated. So come early spring or whenever spring comes, she comes out and she starts to excavate a nest or, or not excavate, but build a nest, lay her eggs in there. And then they start, those babies eventually take over. 
But I wonder if they're warm enough in that pocketed place that they just live all year. I wouldn't, you know, mother nature in evolutionary time that wasps have been around, they don't do that. So they probably just die off anyway, but that queen is in there or multiple Queens maybe are in there. Cause it's a good, nice warm yeah, spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. So paper wasps in their nest, obviously they're capable of stinging as you mentioned that Casey multiple times. <laughs> yes. Wasps can sting more than once. And depending on how you react, it may just be like, ouch, but other people have more serious reactions and, you know, could possibly die. I mean, yeah. especially if you get stung multiple times by multiple wasps and there's only so much venom your body can take before it's like, okay, we're through. Yeah. So regardless of whether you are allergic to them or not, if there are enough attacking you, it could be problematic. And that goes for paper wasps, yellow jackets, hornets, fire ants, which we're not talking about. I mean, honeybees, it could be anything, anything that is capable of stinging. And then the other thing that we probably should mention is the wasps that are stinging you are going to be female because Mm -hmm. the stinger is a modified ovipositor, which is essentially the egg laying structure of the insect. And so only females have that. Not to say that males won't like fly around your head or anything and be territorial, but typically people don't know males from females because, you know, you you got to see if they have a stinger. (laughs) They also pretend to sting you or, or act like they're stinging you. If you mess with them, they just, I guess it's a innate thing. I don't know, but yeah. they can't, but they want yeah. to. They're acting tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they see their sisters do it and they're trying to copy their big sisters. Yeah. So paper wasp nests, like we said, are typically in protected locations, but when should you be concerned about these? Because you know, these are going to be well, not the adults, they're not necessarily predatory as adults, but they do go out and sting other insects and bring it back to feed the larvae that are in the nest. So if they're out in your yard kind of foraging for whatever, I wouldn't worry about it because anytime that we're dealing with a social insect, they are going to be aggressive Typically when you are attacking their home or threatening them in some manner. So if you are trying to knock their nest down with a broom or something, then yeah, they're going to come and sting you because, you know, what if somebody was trying to knock your home down with a very, very large broom, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You'd come out and you'd yell. It would be problematic. You would probably bite. And if you could sting, you'd sting too. So if you have a paper wasp right by your front door uh, or a paper wasp nest right by your front door, then that might be something that you want to take care of because you're going to be using that a lot and it could become a problem and it could lead to a stinging incident. If you have a paper wasp nest on a two-story house on the, the eve or whatever, and you know nobody's going to be up there doing anything, so it's not a problem. In my opinion, if you're allergic to them again, that could lead to a different situation. So paper wasps, like I said, they are, the adults are going to feed on nectar essentially. And the 
larvae are the ones that are feeding on the protein from whatever insects, caterpillars or grasshoppers or whatever, you know, I've seen them like eating earthworms that are on the dead mm-hmm. on the ground and whatnot, but they'll but they, collect that. They can't, but the larvae don't ever leave. So that's the adults that collect it for them, but then feed it to them. And I imagine they probably feed it to the queen a little bit too, don't they? So that she can produce eggs. Yeah. So they're, they're stinging that and paralyzing it. So it kind of stays there and then they can kind of collect their little whatever and take it back to the nest. And that's what they're going to be feeding to the larvae. So when you look at a paper wasp nest, we should probably talk about what the nest looks like. (laughs) Do you, do you want to do that one? Sure. It's a, it's like, they call them naked nests because you can see the holes they're exposed, not covered up. And they look like an upside down umbrella or like an inverted umbrella. And they're interesting because they dangle from just one little tiny piece. And the reason they do that is because that's all they have to protect. That's the only thing that touches anything else. So it, it just, it dangles from something and then they protect that little tiny spot and they leave a really strong pheromone behind on that spot too. So if you've ever had wasps and you, they died, um, maybe you knocked the nest down, you killed them, whatever. Um, you will find that they will often come back to the same spot over and over again, because they smell that that smells like a good place to build a nest. And the nests do expand. So when you have the founding or overwintering queen or founding queen or whatever you want to call her emerging out in the spring, she has like, you know, what, two or three cells. I think those ones are so cute. Yeah. And you see those cause it's just like, Oh, look, she's making such an effort. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got the little tea tiny nest. But then once those first set of, I don't know what workers are, yeah. you know, they're the, the wasps that she, her first broke, daughters, yeah, they are going to essentially start taking care of everything for her. And, and then she just goes into strictly I'm laying eggs at this point and they're going to go out and collect food. They're going to build the nest. And so they kind of take over that duty. But those nests will gradually grow over the season if you don't do anything about them, I guess. So if you leave Mm -hmm. them there, they can get fairly large. I mean, I haven't really seen like huge, huge ones, but I'm going to say what several hundred wasps in a mature colony if you don't do anything about it. And maybe not the size of a dinner plate, but like the size of a large like salad plate. Salad plate. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking like but between a dinner plate and a salad plate kind of in yeah. that. And, but I'd say most people find them the size of maybe a softball. Yeah. That's yeah. probably the average. And that's probably when they're like, okay, this needs yeah. to stop. <laughs> that's when it gets big enough to be worried. We're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> the other type of social wasps that we typically have or that people run across. I'm going to say it's probably not as common as the paper wasps are in, in my opinion, but I guess it all depends on where you live. Those Mm -hmm. are going to be the yellow jackets. And these are going to be a lot smaller. These are in my opinion, tiny compared to (laughs) the other ones. So we're talking about like paper wasps, three quarters of an inch to an inch in size. But yellow jackets are going to be about a half an inch and they are about the size of a honeybee. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people get them confused with honeybees, 
But again, this is one of those in the heat of the moment, you're not looking to see if you have black and yellow and hairless, or if you have brown and yellow and fuzzy, (laughs) they're coming out, they're coming to sting you and you just need to get away. So they're really, they're similar to, to, um, honeybees in the way that they nest sometimes and that there's just so many of them. And uh, yeah, you're right. When you're running, you don't care. And most people, because of cartoons and other things, they think of a honeybee as being black and yellow, but really you're right. They're, they're less obviously black and yellow. It's more like a muted mixed together. The, the bands kind of blend. They're not so defined. That's probably because of like the fuzziness with the hairs on a honeybee that it's kind of more of a muted color, but with yellow jackets, it is very distinctly yellow and black. And depending on your species of yellow jacket, they will have different patterns on their abdomen, which for bug nerd like me, that's like really, really cool. So Mm -hmm. if you want to tell exactly which ones you have, then you can actually go online and Google yellow jacket identification, and you can look at the different patterns that are on the bodies, but these are small. So half an inch and yellow jackets are going to be yellow and black. They have hairless, well, not hairless, but they don't, they're not fuzzy. They're not as hairy. Yeah. I mean, they do have hairs, but it's not like hairs, like a bee has hairs on their body. And I have to credit this joke to a guy named Lance Wilson, who's a Texas master beekeeper, but the way he always describes it is so bees are younger than um, wasps are because wasps were predatory from the beginning. Right. And then they dive, they had a common ancestor. They diverged and honeybees developed once we started having flowering plants. They started finding that niche and, and wasps continued to be predatory, but wasps are basically hairless. They're carnivores and they, they live in smaller colonies where bees are very fuzzy. They're vegetarians and they live in large colonies. So they're like hippie wasps. Bees are hippie wasps and wasps are wasps <laughs> because they're communal, they're hairy and they're vegetarians. Oh my God. I love it. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's a cute little joke, isn't it? <laughs> I think that Lance lives in Austin. So that makes it even more funny for me because. Yeah, he's definitely in the Austin area. It fits this area, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So yellow jackets are also, like we mentioned earlier, are often confused with hornets. And essentially, or I guess those are used interchangeably almost, which is okay, because hornets essentially are a type of yellow jacket. It's just they... They don't have all the yellow on them. They're more black and like the one that people call uh, what a bald face. face. Mm -hmm. It's essentially like a all black face. I always get confused with what makes something a hornet. Is a hornet a subfamily or certain genus or, you know, is I see. I looked this up this morning. I just got to find it where I pulled it up. Our yellow jackets, like the Southern yellow jacket, which we have obviously here in Texas is uh, Vespula squamosa. That's probably the one that most people run into. And then we also have uh, bald faced hornets and that is Dolico Vespula maculata. So we're talking different genera here. And they're a true hornet. They're the only true hornet in North America, right? Yeah. And the big difference with the 
yellow jackets versus hornets is the nest. It's mm-hmm. not that the nest is different in the way that it's structured. It's where it's located. Okay. And the hornet nests are typically going to be above ground. So when you actually like the Winnie the Pooh nest, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be honeybees, that actually looks like a yeah. hornet nest. <laughs> it, it's kind of got that pear shape. Yeah, like a pear shape. It's got the single opening. It's made of paper. It's enclosed. It's like a pinata is what it yes. looks like. A gray pinata. But you do not want to open no. <laughs> at all. There's no it treats in there. Good. No, no. Well, at least <laughs> not treats that you would want. <laughs> it might be somebody might want to eat those bugs, but that would be very disastrous. So don't smack a hornet's nest if you run across it. But you know, I I know that these are in North America, but I really, in Texas, I have never seen a hornet's nest in the wild. Me but either. In, I, I grew up in the Midwest and I remember a few years ago, I went and like right off of my parents' back porch. Cause I was like, you guys need to do something about that. There was a hornet's nest in the tree. <laughs> I was like, this is so cool. And I'm of course taking pictures of it, but I was like, you guys need to have somebody come out and take care of that for you. So maybe if you live in North Texas or the panhandle or something, you might come across it, but I know I've never, ever, ever seen one in San Antonio. Also with yellow jackets, they are going to make again, a chewed wood fiber nest, but theirs is completely enclosed. Like we said, it is a pear shape. I'm going to say, yeah, well, again, it's going to depend on where the nest is located and stuff. And of course the, the nest is going to be pear shaped. If it's a hornet's nest, that's aerial yellow jackets are cavity nesters. And Mm -hmm. so theirs is going to essentially fit into whatever space they're in. Right. So if it's, um, a hole in the ground, like uh, maybe like an old rodent burrow or something like that. They're going to fill up that nest in whatever shape that is. But I've also seen them in wall voids of the home. So that's going to be a different shape there. I've seen them. I've seen them in bird houses. Oh yes. Yes. Like owl houses and stuff like Uh that. Yes. There was a search that I did online. And there was one, there was like an abandoned car and they actually oh filled up the whole entire inside of that car. Could you imagine how many walls no. in there? That would be insane. Oh, that's like scary. So then that makes me wonder, do they, do they, their size is based on how much space they have to, to fill up. So she will just keep her nest the, ne- the queen will keep the nest relatively small if she only has a small space. Cause you don't hear about them leaving and going to find a new nest. Like you hear about honeybees doing right, right? No, That's very interesting. So she just, if she only has so much space, she only has so many babies, but it's also like yellow jackets are similar to paper wasps in that their nest will die off in the winter. But I guess that's depending upon where that nest is located and what kind of winter we have. Does it truly die or do that? Does it just like dip down and there's still workers? It depends on how cold our winter is. Oh, okay. So if we have a more mild winter and they're in a less protected space, then that, that colony will die off. But if they're like in, if they're in a wall void, 
yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be nice and cozy. So they're going to be hanging out doing whatever they want, especially, you know, our winter this year was nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm seeing and continue on. I like just this morning I went outside and I, I saw a yellow jacket queen flying around. Oh, they must have done very well through the winter and they're mating really well. And there's new Queens trying to excavate colonies. And that's not the first one I've seen at least two or three flying around. So I, there's a nest somewhere close to me that is producing Oof. lots of new Queens. Be careful. I keep trying to catch it and put it, it would be a cool one to have in my collection, that but I would never be have anything to do it yeah. with. So I just swat at it and hope that it falls down. <laughs> Well, yellow jackets, probably not the smartest. Thing. <laughs> do yeah, not do a, this at home. Because <laughs> a queen can still sting, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yellow jacket queens, at the, and this is something worth mentioning. They look different than the workers do. There so are. these are the ones that I always get questions. Is this an Asian giant hornet? Because they are larger in size. The coloration is different. Instead of them being yellow and black, they're more of a yellow and kind of an orangey color. There's way less black on them. They're much brighter. So they're, they're very obvious when yes. you look around green grass. You're like, Whoa, you can they really see it. Definitely draw your eye. Yeah. yeah. So they are not Asian giant hornets. Do not panic disclaimer. We do not have Asian giant hornets in Texas, <laughs> right? Nowhere near Texas. No. So don't, don't panic. Not to say if you're curious, definitely send us in things. If you have questions, because we, we would rather know about things and help you with them than you know, have something pop up that we should have known about, you know, five years ago. Right. But with yellow jackets, those overwintering Queens are going to be different paper nest in an enclosed space. And the nest is also enclosed. So if you were to again, don't do this at home, but if you were to cut a yellow jacket nest in half and look on the inside, essentially you have tiers or layers that look like paper wasp nests in there. So you've got those little umbrella nests that are in layers, but they have enclosed that in a paper shell and they have a single opening. Reminds me of a, of a parking garage. I always yes, think it looks like a parking that garage. is a perfect analogy. So you have my, all the different levels. Yeah. My in-laws oh, yeah. had one that was in a potted plant and then the, 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 the pot, like the terracotta pot broke. And so they, they just had the nest that they gave me and it was shaped just like, like, te- like tapered down, but it had all the little layers. It was really pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And their little holes are very, very small. And that goes back to you saying how much smaller they are than the paper wasps, like little teeny tiny little cells that they had. It was very small, even smaller than a honey, honey bee. Yeah. So they, again, can cram a lot of wasps in there. I'm going to say like a, a typical mature colony of yellow jackets or like, I'm not end of summer colony of yellow jackets tens of thousands of wasps in one of those nests versus the several hundred that you would have on a paper wasp. So yellow jackets, in my opinion, are going to be much more of a concern for people than the paper wasps. One, because I think they're more aggressive. Yes. They, it's like you come near my home and it's on. And there's just so many of them. Yes. Yes. And so you have more wasps 
in that space to come out and they can sting multiple times. And so it can really lead to a dangerous situation. So you have to be very careful about yellow jackets. Unfortunately, since they are cavity nesters and that cavity could be in the ground, you may not know that they're there until you have already disturbed said nest. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the call that I get. I ran over a nest while I was mowing and yes, they came out. I mean, of course it's, they're defending their home. And so they come out and sting people with yellow jackets with yellow jackets. I usually tell people to contact a professional. Definitely. So like I said, tens of thousands of wasps. So if you hire a professional, they are going to possibly have a bee suit. Hopefully they have a bee suit that they can put on and come out and take care of that for you. And it could take several treatments since that yellow jacket nest is going to have that single opening. You have to really be kind of patient because you have to find where those wasps are going in and out. And usually they'll either do like a residual pesticidal dust or a residual spray of some sort. And I personally would use a dust because then they can kind of pick it up on their body and carry it into the nest and spread it around and whatnot. But it may take several treatments because again, you don't know how big the nest is in that cavity. And so it's one of those, you got to be patient, but if you have that yellow jacket nest somewhere where it's not really going to be a problem then I wouldn't worry about it. But if it's in location like that, you probably don't even know that they're there. (laughs) Yeah. If you're not going to mow over it, walk by it or like run a tractor over it and it's out in a field that you don't do anything with and who cares, I guess, but you just have to remember it's there and be careful because you you have, they're wild animals. You have no idea what they perceive as a threat and it could just be walking past them, you know, and once the first one stings, it, it releases a smell and they all will want to sting too. And so you have to run away fast, but I wonder if anyone ever did a study and found, I wonder how close it would be, how many people die of being attacked by yellow jackets versus honeybees. And it's probably pretty close, but we always hear about it being honeybees, but there's lots of, especially farmers when they don't have the closed tractors and they run over mm-hmm. one of those nests when it's in like a field and it's in a, bur- a rodent burrow, like you said, and they just can't get away fast enough. So I also wonder how many honeybee deaths are blamed it's blamed on honeybees versus yellow jackets and exactly, you know, yeah. vice versa, because like I said, in the heat of the moment, you're not yeah. looking to see what those insects are. And I think are. yellow jacket, um, stingers are barbed, just not as strongly as a, as a honeybees is. So they can break off in your skin too. I mean, that's usually probably what people think is I see stings in me. So it had to have been a bee, but even a yellow jacket can do that too. So paper wasps, if you want to control them, we're, go- we're going back now. So paper wasps, since they have that exposed nest, if you want to control them and they're in an area that you don't want them like your front door, I always tell people to wait until like the evening when they are done foraging and you have actually all of the wasps back at the nest, get some wasp spray that shoots 10, 15 feet, stand back. And then you want to spray that nest and that will kill the wasps. Well, depending on what spray you use, (laughs) because there are some sprays that if it's a 
pyrethrin spray, they, and it doesn't have any synergist in there, they can metabolize that and it will knock them down, but it won't necessarily kill them. They can, you know, come back to life. Yes. So you, you got like the Frankenstein thing going on there. So make sure that you have something that's actually going to kill them. Based on my summer of collecting them, they're actually calmer in the mornings. They're a little more agitated in the evening. So you can get closer and they're not like as defensive. I guess they're not as agitated. I don't know. So if you can do it early in the morning, like just as the sun's coming up, which this time of year in the summer is like 6 a.m. You'll they're all there. They haven't gone off to go forage yet and, and they're less likely to go out and attack you. So if you can't run fast or you're worried about that, then do it in the morning. Early morning or in the evening, but you want to do it not in the middle of the day because all of the wasps aren't going to be on the nest and they're going to be out foraging and doing their thing. And they'll build it back again. Yes, which and then it's just going to be a cycle. So once the wasps are dead, you want to knock down the nest and throw it away. If you want to squish it to squish any of the babies that might be in there to developing, then, you know, have at it. Or you could do like I do. I have a big centerpiece on my table that I have all the old nests I've collected. It's like, you know, people like put pecans or or like acorns. I, uh, I have it with my, I think it's really pretty. (laughs) Okay. So you don't want to do that without doing what first? Freezing it for (laughs) like a couple weeks. Cause you're lost that. Yeah. Cause those, the white caps are pupa and they'll come out as adults. So you don't want to knock down the nest and then just go stick it on your table because then you're going to have wasps emerging out in your house and that would be disastrous. Yes. <laughs> so freeze it for a couple of weeks. That will kill off whatever's developing in there. And then do you have dermestids that ever attack? Those? They haven't yet. They haven't yet. Huh. Now I'm going to. Oh, now sorry. <laughs> sorry. Shouldn't have said anything. Boy. <laughs> So knock down the nest, do whatever you want to do with the nest. And then like Molly mentioned earlier, they have that chemical pheromone that is marking that area. So you do need to clean that area. What do you typically recommend people clean with? Anything with ammonia. So like Windex sometimes has ammonia or a household cleaner with ammonia and just it's the ammonia that dissolves that. So like people will ask, well, do I need like a hundred percent or what percentage ammonia? And I don't know that there's an answer to that. Just whatever you've got at your house that has it in it. That's going to negate that pheromone smell. And I'm not saying that if you clean it, you're never going to have wasps nest in that area again, because obviously it's a good space for them to be in that area and it's nice and protected. So at some point, wasps will probably come back. But what you're doing with that cleaning step is you are reducing the chance of wasps moving immediately back in because they're smelling whatever was left behind by those other wasps. That's the skinny on social wasps. So we don't have too many in Texas. So Mexican honey wasp, if you want more information on those, go listen to the other episode. And then we have our paper wasps. We have our yellow jackets and hornets. While all are capable of stinging, Typically, they are going to be fine if they're in an area where you don't have to worry about somebody being stung. But if you do need to control them, you can do paper wasps on your own, either early in the morning or in the evening. 
And if you're dealing with yellow jackets or hornets, then we recommend that you hire a professional. So if you want more information, go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu and we will catch you next time.